Well, good morning. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is David. I'm the lead pastor here at Apostles, and we're so grateful uh, to be able to worship together this morning, uh, to sing praise to God, and to hear from his word. And so, uh, again, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here uh, this morning. Uh, we have been going through a series, a sermon series, over the last few weeks called uh, The Generosity of God. And as we've done that, uh, we've looked at the heart of God, and we're going to wrap that up uh, today, uh, talking about God's generosity. But just a quick, ever so brief recap, where we've been over the last couple of weeks is we looked at the generosity of God's heart himself, like that God is a generous God, and that in response to what God has done for us and does in us, and because of the very nature of who he is, our response to him is gratitude, and out of our gratitude, uh, we actually become more and more like him, more generous, and so we, we've kind of talked about this amazing thing that happens in the community of God when we are really shaped by the heart of God, that it just, it's gratitude that begets generosity, that begets gratitude, that begets generosity. And it's just, that's what the church is supposed to be a picture of, this kingdom picture of generosity. And then last week, we talked about uh, the fact that this heartfelt generosity is motivated really ultimately by God's love, his love for us, and that that love then spills out of us in love for him and love for one another. And so today, uh, we come to the third um, Sunday of that series, and it's what we call uh, Commitment Sunday, or we've called it Giving Sunday. Um, and, uh, and so as a community, what we're doing today is we're saying, hey, we are uh, seeking to follow Jesus together. And as we learn to, to be with him and become like him and do the kinds of things that Jesus did, um, we want to gather together today and say yes to Jesus. That's what today really is about. It's about saying yes to Jesus in every aspect of our life, to ask him to help uh, every corner, every nook and cranny of our hearts uh, be surrendered to him and become more and more like his heart, uh, more loving, uh, more humble, more steadfast, uh, and then ultimately more grateful and more generous. And so today we are going to make commitments um, to honor the Lord with our money in the year ahead, but as we've said this is less about giving and money, and really it is more about our hearts. Uh, that's what the Lord is after. It's really about our hearts. And Jesus uh, addressed this when he, um, when he spoke to his first disciples. He said something really remarkable about giving. And it's recorded in Acts chapter 20. This is what Jesus said. He said, he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Words of Jesus. So this is, this is a saying that's being passed around right, by the earliest followers of Jesus. It's, it's stuck with them. It's pressed in, and now they're repeating it to one another. And it's captured here uh, after the Gospels, but as the early church is being formed, and they're saying this to each other. It's, a, it's this truth that's embedded in them. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, blessed, uh, the Greek word makarios, uh, the word for blessed here, uh, it means what you probably think it would mean. It means blessed, happy, but it also kind of carries this sense of celebration. You know, there's this sense of thanksgiving, of gratitude. In other words, it's almost like Jesus is saying, congratulations, right, to those of you uh, who understand this truth that giving, giving is better than receiving. So Jesus says, blessed are those who understand this truth, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, 
as is true with a lot of things that Jesus says, um, easy to say, hard to believe, harder to do, right? And that's very true, I think, in this case. And I think maybe just as we're looking at this, just to kind of know what Jesus is not saying here, because I think sometimes this can get misconstrued and misunderstood when we say, oh, it's better to give than to receive. Um, sometimes it gets misconstrued to mean, oh, well, if, if I give a dollar, then God's going to come back and give me two, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've heard this kind of teaching before, that, that there's a sense in which, oh, if we just kind of put in like a spiritual stock market, we'll get kicked out, you know, kind of returns um, in that way. And here's the problem with that, about what Jesus is saying here and what he's not saying here. What he's saying here is, is we don't give in order to get. That's the fundamental problem with that mentality. It's saying, hey, I'm giving so that I can get something. And so the problem is that we don't give to get. We give, here's the amazing thing, because of what we've already gotten. You see the difference? We give because of what we've already received in Jesus. It is blessed to give because of what we have in Christ. And so this joy, this joyful generosity flows out of us because of all that we've received. And this freedom that we have in Christ, we're no longer slaves to our possessions, to our money, because we're free in Christ. We have all that we will ever need, and it cannot be taken from us. I am rich, even if I don't have a dollar to my name. I am rich in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the truth. And so when Jesus says that, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The question really is, if we kind of take that at face value, do we believe it? I don't think it's that complicated of a, an idea. It's better to give than to receive. But the challenge is actually believing it and living out of that belief. I think if we're honest, most of us have a hard time kind of taking Jesus too seriously. We want to hear it, but we don't want to hear it too seriously um, because it cuts a little close for comfort. I mean, it, it, it makes me uncomfortable if I really kind of dive into what Jesus is saying. I heard a story uh, from a friend of mine recently about a, a man who was being interviewed to lead a well-known uh, international Christian ministry. And specifically, they wanted to know uh, just about his giving habits and kind of his track record in his personal life with his finances and how his faith kind of informed that. So they were asking him all these questions, and finally one of the interviewers just said, look, let me just cut to the point. If we were to look at your tax returns for the last five years, would we conclude that you are a generous person? And when I heard that question, I, I felt a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know if you... We pulled out your tax returns for the last five years, how comfortable you might be with that question. Because again, I think it's pressing in. I mean, what a question. It's the rubber meets the road. It does cut to the point in a sense. And there's a part of me that wants to say, hey, hold on, okay, my budget is my business, right? Like, we, don't, we, don't, we get uncomfortable when we kind of press into this. And then you mix faith and money together, and we get really uncomfortable really quick. And so my budget is my business. I, I just have to confess, sometimes I feel that way. And here's what you have to wonder is, man, it's one thing to say that to a group of interviewers. It's another thing to say that to Jesus. 
I think we have to watch out. Are we saying that to Jesus? Hey, my budget, here's the line, Jesus. You know, you, you, I'll give you what's outside the line, but in here, it's my business. And it's hard. This is hard. This is hard to talk about. It's hard to preach about. I don't like talking about money. Uh, but Jesus talked about it, and we've talked about that. He talked about it a lot. And I'm preaching to myself when I say some of these things that we've said for the last three weeks, and it's hard, it's sensitive, and our defenses go up. But I think that's the very reason Jesus talks about it so much. He knows that it's not about the money. He knows it's not about the money. He talks about money, and he wants us to talk about money because he cares about our hearts. And there's this deep connection between the two. He wants us to be free. I've been reading Hebrews 12, 1 uh, lately and just meditating on that. And it just stuck with me. Jesus wants to free us to be generous people. And this is what Hebrews 12, 1, it says he wants to free us from everything that hinders us. And the sin, and I would say specifically in this case, the love of money that so easily entangles. And it does. It entangles us. It traps us. I, uh, I love the famous Jim Carrey quote. Um, it, we, we use it in Alpha, and uh, it, it just so captures kind of uh, some deep truth when he says this. You know, Jim Carrey, famous actor, comedian, he says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. It's not the answer. For Jesus, money is not about the money. It's about our hearts. And he wants us to see that. I think that's the gift of taking time to do this every year. And it is a gift. He wants us to see the truth. So here's what I'd like to do this morning. Just um, briefly, I want us to look at Luke chapter 11, the verses I just read. So if you want to grab a Bible and open it to Luke chapter 11, I want us to look as we're coming to Jesus and we're making these commitments, um, these financial commitments as a community and seeking to trust the Lord. We want to hear what Jesus says about money in our hearts. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 33. If you don't have a Bible, there's um, Bibles in the seat backs near you. Um, and it's page 870. Luke chapter 11, verse 33, page 870. Let me just read again from verse 33. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be in darkness. Be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. <clears throat> now, you may be asking, what does any of that have to do with money? <laughs> um, isn't this a passage about being a light for Jesus? And it is. So you probably, in your Bible, you might have a little heading over, over this section and it says something like, a light for Jesus or a light for Christ or being a light. And it is about that. It encourages us to do that. But Jesus is, is telling us something more than just be a light in a dark world. Um, he's telling us a specific way to be a light. And context tells us that Jesus is actually talking about money specifically, finances, and generosity. 
And there's a clue to that. If you look a few verses later, if you just look kind of down in your Bible, you'll see there's a dinner party that's right after he does this teaching. And at this dinner party, it becomes very explicit what he's talking about with these Pharisees, these followers of the law, these godly, righteous people. And he's talking to them about the condition of their hearts in light of their giving. And so context clues us in. And, and what's more, if you notice in verse 34, there's this really curious phrase Did you hear it? Your eye is the lamp of your body. And what what does that mean, that your eye is the lamp of your body? So Jesus is using uh, your eye as a metaphor. He's using your eye, your physical eyes, as a metaphor uh, for how you actually engage with the world. So it's, it's like, think of what Jesus is saying. He's like, hey, your eye is a lamp. It's like this giant spotlight that you're walking around and you're engaging in reality using this giant spotlight. And the way you see reality has a lot to do with the condition of your eye. Does that make sense? So when Jesus is talking about this lamp, that's what he's saying. He's saying how you see the world depends on the kind of lamp you have, the kind of lens you have, the kind of eyes that you use. Jesus then says there's two categories of eyes. What are they? There's healthy eyes and there's unhealthy eyes, right? Two categories of eyes, healthy and unhealthy. Now, in Jesus' day, the Greek word for healthy here carried with it the idea of generosity. So when, when his original audience heard this, heard healthy and eyes, they put that together. They would have understood. Jesus is talking about a health, a sense of viewing the world that carries with it this idea of generosity. That's health. And then, by contrast, unhealth means carrying with it this idea of selfishness or greed, the way you see the world. So Jesus is saying you can see the world with a generous eye or you can see the world with a selfish eye. A healthy eye sees the world this way. So first. Uh, Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. We looked at this a few weeks ago. I encourage you to jot this down and go back and read it yourself. First Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. This is a healthy eye. Everything, everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O Lord. That's a healthy eye on reality. A healthy eye, in other words, sees a world of abundance. We steward what we have, uh, trusting that the Lord gives and provides for our needs, and in this world, We live it out in an abundance of life. Life to the full is what Jesus called it in John 10. And it's marked by God's generosity and hospitality. Again, by contrast, an unhealthy eye sees a world of scarcity. Abundance versus scarcity. There's only so much in the world, right? There's only so much out there. It's a zero-sum game. The more you have, the less I have. So we have to fight for what we get. That's a scarcity mentality. It says, if I just have more... I'll be okay. So you chase more to have more control and more comfort and security. And as a result, you have an unhealthy eye, an outlook on the world marked by anxiety, obsession over material possession and wealth, 
greed, and the relentless pursuit of more and more and more. Our culture is banking on this in human nature. So Jesus says, don't see the world that way. Instead, be sure the light within you is not darkness. Be full of light and let it shine through your gratitude to God and your generosity to others. Have a healthy eye, a perspective of abundance, a vision colored by God's generosity to you. So Jesus is saying something really profound here. If you just kind of step back, it applies to money, but it's not just about money. Jesus is saying how we see the world, and in this case, in particular, how we see money, reveals the way that we actually see God. It reveals the condition of our hearts. And it reveals our deepest longings and desires and the deepest longings that we have. At the deepest part of who we are, what we long for is God himself. That's what we long for. We're made by him and for him in the image of God, for life with God, for eternity. And that's what we have in Christ. Christ came, he rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death and rose from the dead so we could have life. And that's because that's what we were made for. It's what we long for. It's the only thing that will satisfy us. No matter what we turn to and try to grab onto, only Jesus can do that. Augustine put it like this, famous quote, thou hast made us for thyself. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. We are hungry for what only God can give us. And so until God has all of us until we are surrendering ourselves completely to God. And this is a process, but it includes our money and includes our possessions. We'll never be content. Our eyes and our hearts will continue to wander. R.T. Kendall, in his great, it's just this little book, and I think one of you guys gave it to me. I don't know where I got it. It's in my library now. It's a great little book called Tithing uh, by R.T. Kendall. And this is what he says, page 13. He says, we reveal our hearts by our giving. If our faith has not touched our budget, then Christ has not fully captured our hearts. Wow, that's quite a claim. We show who we worship by how we use our money. Tithing is not about solving the church's financial problems. It is a solution to our own spiritual problem. It's likely the biggest hitch in our Christian growth is related to our stewardship of money. Our unhealthy relationship with money has arrested our development at a spiritual level. I mean, those are some strong words about the power of money and possessions. And be clear, he's not saying we earn God's love or affection or approval. He's just noting the deep connection and the power that money can have. And so there's a grace that we need to grow in this and to learn and be honest with Jesus about this. Why, again, why Jesus says so much about money. It's not about money. It's about our hearts. It's not about how much you give it's about your heart. So, leads to this question. How do we cultivate generous hearts? Good news. Jesus tells us exactly how to do it. Verse 37, skip down. We're told that Jesus is invited to the home of a Pharisee. Um, it's interesting, the Pharisees had a lot of kind of these special customs that they followed and, and, and a sincere desire to honor the Lord. And so these Pharisees have a particular and somewhat elaborate way of washing their hands before the meal to show how committed they are to being pure and clean before the Lord. And Jesus didn't follow the custom. And they get upset. He didn't do the ceremonial washing before the meal. And so this is what happens. They have this interaction and it says, Jesus says to them, now you Pharisees, you're worried about cleansing the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of what? 
greed, and wickedness. Okay, he could have said a lot of things right there, but he pins down greed and wickedness. All right, so just note that. And what does he call them? You fools. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also, but give his alms those things that are within, right? Again, back to the heart, and behold, everything is clean for you. Jesus says to these guys, look, you are going to great lengths to wash your hands the right way. But what about your hearts? The outside is clean, but what about the inside? On the inside, your heart is full of greed. Their eyes were unhealthy. They saw a world of scarcity and not abundance. So Jesus, in his grace, in his love for these people, he invites them to change, to clean out their hearts, to become people who are like their heavenly father, generous. Verse 41, this is what he says. This is how you do that. But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. How do you clean out a spirit of ingratitude and selfishness in the corners and the nooks and crannies of your heart? How do I do that in my heart? In short, Jesus says, here's some practical advice on how to do that. Begin to practice gratitude and generosity and ask the Spirit to help you do that. It's simple. Again, easy to say, hard to do. But it is beautiful in its simplicity. Jesus says, practice gratitude and you'll become a more grateful person. Practice generosity and you'll become a more generous person. Notice Jesus recommends an action, not just an idea. A practice that you take up. Be generous, give to the poor, he says, because doing so will actually shape your heart. Jesus says when you move towards generosity, part of what happens is your heart will follow. So often we are unwilling to do anything unless our heart is first and sometimes Jesus says, yeah, you need to let your heart lead. But other times he says, start doing it and let your heart follow. Let me shape your heart through the practice, through the discipline. And so that's part of what he's describing here. So how do we cultivate generous hearts? We practice generosity. You know, there's an analogy here to prayer. Right? How do we learn how to pray? We pray. How do you become generous people? You practice generosity. Jesus wants us to become generous people. And so he says, practice generosity. But there's a warning here that comes to these Pharisees, and I think to us, right? And this is it. He warns them against rote practice, against practice that's not actually connected to the heart, because that's the aim. The aim is affecting the heart and the hearts of others. Look what Jesus says in verse 42. He says, woe to you Pharisees, because you... Give God a tenth. In other words, they are tithing faithful givers, right? You even tithe your mint and your rue and all kinds of things from your garden. So in other words, these, these, these are not people who don't take the tithe seriously. These are people that take tithing and giving very seriously. And so Jesus is saying to them, look, this this ancient practice that's been commanded by the Lord back in Leviticus to give 10% of what you get from your land. You're, you're, you're following it, but you're missing the point. 
You've made it into this religious act. And so Jesus says, give, and you're giving, but here's what he says. You neglect justice and the love of God. These things you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So Jesus is harking back to the famous words of the prophet Micah. In Micah 6, listen to this. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's shown you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? It's a call to the heart, the heart of God to our hearts. God's heart is inviting us to give out of love, out of a desire for justice and for mercy. And so when we give, we humbly walk with him in this mission of love. Again, which is why Jesus sews this up by saying, these things you ought to have done without neglecting the heart. Tithing, giving, what we're doing today, making a commitment to give to the Lord out of our finances. He's given us so much, and we're giving back to him a portion. That is good. But why you give, why I give today, is the main concern of Jesus. Jesus wants us to give with a heart shaped by the heart of God in response to the heart of God that looks like the heart of God. God loves to give. This is his heart. He loves to give, and the Holy Spirit is working in us to create a Christ-like people who love to give and practice radical generosity. So people who truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive because of who we are in Christ and because of what we have already received. So Jesus is calling us to follow him with all that we are, to be with him, become like him, and do the kinds of things that he did. Jesus was the most generous person who has ever lived on the planet, and he's inviting us to enter into that reality with him. And so the invitation for us here at Apostles, this is our dream, right, is to become more and more like Jesus until his return. We want to become more and more like Christ. We don't want to just be people who give, in other words, but people who love to be generous because we know and trust in the God who loves to give and be generous. People who believe Jesus when he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So just wrapping this up, I said it last week and I'll say it again. This is one of the most generous communities I've ever been around. I mean, and I'm not just blowing smoke. This is one of the most generous communities that I've ever been a part of. And if you've been here for any length of time, I don't have to convince you that that's true. You've experienced that in this community. When there's a need that comes up, when there's a call to give, when there's people who are hurting, this community responds. And it's an amazing thing to see generosity at work being kneaded into the dough of a community like this. It's amazing. And the reason that's taking place, I really do believe, is because of Jesus. It's because we've had hearts that have been transformed by Jesus and are becoming more and more like him the more we're with him and the more we learn to do the things he's called us to do. We've encountered Jesus' love for us, and it's given us a new lens with which to see the world. We are becoming people convinced that it really is more blessed to give than receive. And people who love to give those in need whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual need. People that are hungry 
for the gospel in our city. We are a generous people, and God wants to make us more and more like himself, more and more generous. So over the past few weeks, what we've asked is that every member of our community set aside time to pray and to seek the Lord about this question of your giving commitment for 2022. And the invitation has been to remember who God is and to remember his heart and his love for you and what he's done for you in Christ and for you to celebrate that and see how that blessing has worked its way into your life and through your life, even in the last year, especially that's been very difficult for many of us, but God has blessed us, hasn't he? So much to be grateful for. And so just to reflect on that. And so this morning, what, what our hope is, is if we come together on this Commitment Sunday, is that we come prayerfully and humbly and gratefully and we say to the Lord, God, thank you. Thank you for all that you have given to me and to us. And now we come to give back to you a portion of what you've entrusted to us. This morning is not about an amount. Let me just say that again. This morning is not about an amount of money. This morning is not about percentages or goals or even, as I said last week, about vision. This morning is about hearts coming before the Lord in response to his heart. It's an act of faith, an act of gratitude, and an act of worship.